Lost and found, a funny thing, isn't it? Lost and found. Uh, probably the most extraordinarily, extraordinary thing that grows the most at schools. <laughs> the lost and found. And it doesn't take long. Over at North Clackamas Christian School, there used to be an area in the hallway that there are cubbies, areas, and, and, and shelving. And I don't know, by the first week of school, it was filled. <laughs> it was like, don't these kids understand they went home without their coat and it's cold? Or Anyway, it was very interesting to see how it would grow so quickly. Well, I think they removed that now, and this no longer exists. So lost and found is gone at North Clackamas Christian School. <laughs> so if they lose something, I guess it's gone. But anyway, uh, finding your phone, too. The iPhone has this great uh, way of finding your phone or, or even other people who are in the uh, system of iPhones. And uh, you can uh, use an app called Find My Phone, and you can find out where that is in the house. Uh, I wouldn't say anyone particular in our household, but she has used her watch a number of times to find her phone as well, too. But it was, and sometimes it startles me because it's right beside me. Because <laughs> it puts out this sound. But anyway. Also, too, air tags. Have you ever heard of air tags before? Not ear, but air tags. Um, it was gifted to Becky. She got one for Christmas. She's enjoying that quite a bit. You clip it on to whatever you want to locate. And so she's got it on her keys. Because those keys that she has, there's a lot of keys from the school. And if anything got, if any of those got uh, lost, that would be a problem for her. Not just that she couldn't get in, in the school in the room, but it's expensive to replace those keys. But uh, all you have to do is, uh, I guess, on your phone, and it's a, it must be an iPhone thing as well, too. On your phone, you can locate where it's at, and it'll tell you almost within, like, feet of where that is. And uh, last night, I had to go over to the school to grab some things, uh, drop some things off the school for the choir tour and uh, pack my car up with, with the sound equipment. And uh, all along the way, I had her keys because I had to um, get into the school. And all along the way, this also what it does is has a little uh, notification to let you know that if, if there's an air tag with you, that isn't yours. And so it's a security precaution because, you know, anybody could just put one of those little, it's a little small little disc, put some, something in your purse or whatever, in your coat jacket, and, you didn't, and they can track wherever you're at. So it's like, ooh, okay, that's weird. But it was telling me that there was an air tag with me, and I was like, yeah, it's my wife's keys, and so I wasn't concerned. But it kept on telling me over and over again, someone's air tag is with you. Do you want to, you know, clarify that? And I was like, okay, we're good. Lost and found. There's some good ways to be able to find some things that are lost now these days with all the electronics around us. Luke 15, Luke chapter 15, has also been called a lost and found. It's God's lost and found department. And in these 32 verses, Jesus shares four illustrations dealing with the lost and with God's desire to see them saved and, and restored to fellowship with himself. In verses of, of Luke chapter 15, in verses 3 through 7, they record the illustration of the lost sheep. And then in verses 8 through 10, record the illustration of the lost silver. And in verses 11 through 24, a good portion of that, that chapter that you're probably very well, well, well aware of is the illustration of the lost son. And in verses 25 through 32 is the illustration of the lost sibling. Now, the backdrop for these uh, parables, these heavenly stories with earthly meanings, 
It's found in verses 1 through 2 of Luke chapter 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So in these verses, Jesus is seen reaching out to the lost and dying. He does that. That's what he does. And we are told that these tax collectors and these sinners came to hear him preach. These people worked for the Roman government and were despised by the Jews because they were friendly to the enemy. And they placed on the people very harsh and unfair tax burdens. And some of those tax collectors would uh, require extra tax and then they would just pocket it and they would have it for themselves. So these people weren't really well liked at all. Now, sinners, on the other hand, referred to the Jews who didn't keep the Mosaic law and were looked down on by the Pharisees and other religious people. They weren't good enough to be part of the group. Well, in fact, in Luke uh, chapter 18, verse 11, we hear about it as well, too, when one of the Pharisees, uh, as Jesus was telling the story of one that would stand up, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So they really didn't like uh, those people who were the sinners and tax collectors. They wanted to stay clean from them. And, uh, but it was these poor people who no one cared about that Jesus reached out to. And in fact, he stated that as his very reason for coming into the world. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And in also Mark chapter 2, verse 17, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. But when these people gathered themselves around Jesus to hear Him teach, the religious establishment went crazy. They were out of their minds and began to criticize Jesus for receiving these sinners. The very people the religious world should have been reaching out to were the very ones they shunned. They kept away. And Jesus, on the other hand, came to the world for the lost, for the hurting, for the sinful people, and He reached out to them, which I am so very thankful that He did. Jesus, though, knowing the hard hearts of these religious people, told them the parable that makes up the verses of this chapter in Luke, Luke chapter 15. And in this parable, Jesus uses four illustrations to teach them the value of every lost soul. He even uses this parable to teach them that they themselves might not be as secure as they thought they were. I'd like to take the next few Sunday mornings to be able to look into this chapter in detail. I want us to enter God's lost and found department and together learn the truth that every soul matters to God. Every soul matters to God. Even yours. Even yours. Luke 15, we'll start with verse 3. Let me read through that through verse 7. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
So one day, a shepherd counts his sheep, numbering and you know, figuring out how many are there. He expects to find a hundred, and in his flock, uh, he's he's a little dismayed though to discover that one in the flock is missing. Where's that one? We've got ninety-nine. We don't have a hundred. What's going on? Motivated, motivated by the danger to the sheep and the loss to himself, the shepherd takes immediate action to restore this sheep to its proper place in the fold. In this vivid account of searching and saving and shouting, we can see a clear picture of the love, longing, and labor of the Lord Jesus for the lost in his lost and found department. There is a picture of salvation in these verses that we don't want to miss today. If you are here lost today, you are going to hear how what Jesus has done for you and how you can be saved today. If you are saved, you will be reminded of His love and His grace for you. and You will be given an opportunity to thank Him today. If you are saved, but aren't as close to the shepherd as you need to be, you will be given an opportunity as well to set that right today. But let's examine these verses uh, together as we think about the lost sheep. First of all, in verse 4, we see the shepherd's compassion. The shepherd's compassion. He has a compassion for a lost sheep. Now, the word lost is the same word that is translated perish in John 3.16. It means to be lost and ruined or, or destroyed. And it is used to refer to being sent away into hell. In other words, this little sheep is in great danger. It is headed for ruin. It's headed for destruction. The shepherds know this and is concerned about the condition of the sheep. And he is moved to do something to save this lost sheep. By the way, this, this sheep is lost because it wandered away. It it is lost by its own faults. Remember that God knows the lost condition of humanity. Scripture tells us this in Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls, the wandering sheep. In John chapter 3, verse 18 and verse 36, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. In verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. This sheep wandered away on its own, chose to do that, but he knows the lost condition of our hearts. He knows that you are lost because of the sin of Adam, but he also knows that you are a sinner because you choose to be one. The devil didn't make you do it. We choose to follow someone. We choose to follow Jesus or we choose not to follow Jesus. Follow someone else. And he knows where you are living, where you're headed, if you don't get saved. He knows that hell is the end of the road for every soul that is not in a personal, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Psalm 9, verse 17 says, The wicked return to the grave, all the nations that forget God. And then also, too, 
in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter one, verses eight and nine. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. And also, too, in Romans 6, verse 23, the first part of that, for the wages of sin is death. Not only does He know the condition of the lost, but He is also moved to do something about their lost condition. He just doesn't say, you're lost, you're a sinner. Good luck. He says, you're lost, you're a sinner, let me help. <laughs> let me help. So the shepherd's compassion then moves him for a, uh, for a loved sheep. His, his, the shepherd's compassion is for a loved sheep. This sheep may have wandered away from the shepherd, but it was still precious to him. Still precious to him. There was value in that sheep, and the shepherd wanted it returned to his flock. He cared about that one little lost sheep. The good shepherd, the good shepherd loves the lost sheep in this world also. It doesn't matter what we do as far as his love for you. We can never escape that. His love for us is so deep, so wide, so high. You cannot escape it. So rest assured, no matter what you do, you can't avoid God's love. God's love is upon you in that way. Jesus loves you regardless of what you do. But what you do determines where you go. Who you believe in determines where you go. That will affect. What you do will affect where you wind up at the end of your life. But what you do will not affect God's love. So if you're lost today, I want you to know that God loves you. And how do I know that? Well, He said it. He said it. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. That sounds like a loving God that loves His people, no matter what they do, in whatever situation they're in. John 3, 16, we all know this. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So he said it, but also, too, he showed it. He showed it. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you ever have ever doubt the love of God for you, then look no further than Calvary. You'll be able to see God's love right there. So the shepherd's compassion is also for a lone sheep. The shepherd's compassion is for a lone sheep. Just one sheep was missing, yet the shepherd still went. He had 99. Why did he have to go after the one? Was it really worth that much? Yeah. yeah. Another shepherd might have counted the personal cost and decided to let that one sheep go and be lost forever. But this shepherd saw the value in just one sheep, and he went after it. Jesus, the good shepherd, came to this world to die for the lost sheep. Now I'm convinced that, that Jesus Christ came into this world to die because he considered every lost soul as precious. 
every lost soul. He leaves the 99 to find the one. He knows you and calls you by name. And uh, if you call on his name, he will save you. Whoever is thirsty and wishes will, will come and receive God's free gift, as Revelation chapter 22 tells us. Remember, he died for you. Just last week, we were celebrating all about the risen Savior. Remember, he died for you before you even knew him. So that's the shepherd's compassion, but we also see a shepherd's commitment in verse 5. The shepherd's commitment, and it was a sacrificial commitment. For the shepherd, the search was dangerous, and death was a possibility. For the Lord Jesus, death was an absolute certainty. <laughs> Jesus knew He was going to the cross. He knew He had to die. He even prayed in the garden before going that route, if God would take this cup from Him. But His will be done. Not Jesus, but His Father's will be done. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Remember the price Jesus paid extended far beyond Calvary. And we live it out in our lives. The grace of God, the mercy of God in our lives, and we extend that to other people around us as well too. Because if we've been given much, then we should be giving much to others as well, too, in that respect. The shepherd's commitment, it was also a successful commitment. The shepherd didn't stop until his mission had been completed and the sheep had been found. Searching everywhere, wherever it might have been, hearing, trying to listen for the sheep, to find that one lost sheep. Jesus didn't stop on his quest until he was able to cry, it is finished on that cross. His labor had not been wasted, but he returned to the fold with the very thing he went after. And it may appear to us that God's cause is failing in this world. You look around, you're thinking, where's God in these situations? What's going on here? How come God isn't helping out in these horrible issues going on all around us? But Jesus will not be disappointed by the harvest he reaps from this world. God is still working. Jesus is still working. He has not left us. He will never leave you. When we arrive home in glory, we will learn that the good shepherd perfectly fulfilled his mission. And all those he saved by his blood will be home in heaven. The goal of a believer's salvation is this future glorification when we reach heaven, which includes being with Jesus. Those who are studying Revelation... We're going to find out all about those things and what that kind of looks like through the eyes of John. But that is a promise that we have for us. Those who have placed their, their trust for eternal life in Jesus Christ alone, you have that hope that one day you'll be in heaven. Be reunited with those who have gone on before you, those loved ones that you so miss, and be able to be reunited with all of them and more importantly, face-to-face -face with Jesus. Finally, finally. No more pain, no more sorrow. No, all that's gone. It's face-to-face -face with Jesus. John 17, verse 24. 
this glorification Jesus spoke of, he prayed for it. He said, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. And anyone who looks and believes on Jesus for salvation has his destiny secure. In John chapter 6, verse 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. We also have the shepherd's conquest in verses 6 through 7. This conquest involves a rescue. The sheep has been found and is rescued from the danger it had been in. And that is what the great shepherd does for all his sheep. He delivers them from the danger and the damage of their sins. All of God's sheep are delivered from the penalty of sin. We are no longer condemned and Jesus paid the price for our sin. And also, too, from the power of sin. We should consider ourselves dead to sin, as Scripture tells us. Because of our union and identification with Christ, we no longer want to pursue our old, our, our old plans, our old life, our old desires, our old goals. Now we want to live for the glory of God. And as we start this new life, better be sure that the Holy Spirit's going to help you along, become all that Christ wants you to be. You're guided by the Holy Spirit in this. The shepherd's conquest also involves rest. Involves rest. A sheep is not responsible for getting itself home. It may have wandered away, but the, but the getting home is the responsibility of the shepherd. The shepherd provided the way for the way uh, to be able to get home. After it is saved, it finds itself resting upon the strong shoulders of the shepherd. Thank God the Lord's sheep are not responsible for getting themselves home either. We could not do it on our own. There's nothing you can do to get yourself to heaven. You can't do it. The gap is too big between us and God. But Jesus bridged that gap. And as we place our trust in Jesus Christ, then what He has done gets us to heaven, gets us home. We are kept by the power of God, as 1 Peter First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says. And they rest upon His precious promises for their salvation as well. We are saved by grace, and it's grace that sees us home. And none of the Lord's sheep ever need to fear being left behind once we have received Him as Savior. The shepherd was able to lift the sheep and bear it upon his shoulders all the way back to the fold. He had sufficient stamina to finish what he had started. He completed the rescue. He has given this sheep rest. The Lord did not start this mission to fail. He went right after the sheep for the express purpose of bringing them home. Notice that in Luke 19, verse 10, that he was to seek and to save. In John 6, verse 37, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Also in Hebrews 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Those verses help us see that there's a God that loves you, wants to have a relationship with you, and when He does through His Son, Jesus Christ, He will provide. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. 
Our strength along the way will fade. We may fail, but His strength never wavers. So the the shepherd's conquest also involves rejoicing. The shepherd was able to rejoice with his friends, with his neighbors, because his lost sheep was found. (laughs) You could probably think some of the neighbors are like, well, okay, that's just one sheep. You got 99 over here. (laughs) What's the big deal? But he he was overjoyed with the rescue of this one lost sheep. And Jesus makes it clear that heaven gets excited about the salvation of just one lost soul. And why is that? Because fellowship has been restored. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The relationship has been restored. There should be partying going on for that, definitely. Think about it in your own family. If your relationship with your siblings have been severed, or your relationship with maybe your parents, um, maybe, maybe your kids, maybe your grandkids, there's some severing there of a relationship. Imagine what it would be like if that was just restored completely. There's nothing else lingering around. Everything's forgiven and forgotten. We're moving forward. Wouldn't there be rejoicing? <laughs> A lot of rejoicing in that, I'm sure. Just imagine, though, how much more in heaven when a lost soul comes back to God. The usefulness has been restored. You see, God can't use a dirty vessel, but He can can save a sinner by His grace and use them in amazing ways for His glory. Lost and found. Where are you? in your relationship to the shepherd? Are you lost out on the dark mountains of sin like that shepherd or like that sheep? Do you need to be rescued today? If so, then you can be saved if you will come to Jesus because that's the only way. Others are saved, but are you as close to Him as you need to be today? You know Jesus as your Savior, but it's kind of been a little rough. A little rough. If there's a need in your walk with Jesus, you can come talk to Him about it today as well, too. Others are saved. They're sure. They're heading on down the road, and they're good to go. They're on the shepherd's shoulders today. (laughs) Why don't you just come uh, before Him to worship Him and thank Him and pray for those who, who still need Him. I'm sure you can think of people in your life who need Jesus. And notice that this uh, shepherd left the 99 and went for the lost one. He does that. That's what our God does. And if you wander away, you better believe He's calling you back. He wants you there. The hound of heaven is going to be after you. He wants you back. And if there was ever a day when the church needed to get, it, get her eyes off the 99 and on the lost one, it's now. We need to be looking outside these walls, figuring out how we can reach those lost ones. Let them know about the good news, what Jesus has done for you. 
learning how to do that in the class downstairs in the Bible discussion class. And Mike gives direction and leadership to that. Learning how to convey your testimony to people. If there is a need, then you can come. You can come before the Lord and get the help you need right now. At the altar or right where you're at as well too. But if the Lord is speaking to your heart in some way, some form, my prayer is that we would act in obedience. Whatever the Holy Spirit has for you. Whatever He's tugging on your heart about. I'm going to pray and the worship team is going to come on up. I'm going to lead you in a couple songs here in the end. But as I pray, if you, you just need to create that little altar, those who are online as well too, if you need to create that little altar there before God, and just come before God and say, you know what? I, I need time with you right now. Because you're tugging on my heart and there's some things I need to get taken care of here. If that's, that's where you need to be, then you need to be before the Lord and praying. The, do that as I pray as well. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would be with each person here today and those who are online with us as well. Lord, that you would continue to speak to our hearts about the need of a relationship with you. And Lord, those who are, who are lost, they're out there wandering, not close to you, not in a relationship with you. I pray, Lord, for them. I pray, Lord, that the, the good shepherd, as he continues to search, will find them. And Lord, I pray that as the good shepherd finds us, that we would realize He's here to rescue, He's here to save, and He's here to bring rest. I pray, Lord, that uh, we would realize that if, if we're out there wandering about. Lord, if we're here today and we, we are in uh, a flock, if you, if you will, but maybe it's been a little dry lately. Maybe there's been some choices that have been made. Maybe there's some decisions that weren't quite glorifying to you. And we've made decisions after decisions like that, and it's just brought us down the road further away from you. Oh, maybe, Lord, today is the day uh, of return for them. And I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to tug after their heart and that we would be sensitive to that uh, prompting in our life, that we would act out of obedience. And Lord, if there are those who are here today that are walking down the road pretty well, hand in hand with the Savior. Lord, I pray that you would use them to encourage others around and help uh, all of us, Lord, be praying and gratefulness and thanksgiving, but also to praying for those around us that need you. Lord, as we sing these songs, these next few songs about trust, I pray, Lord, that we would realize that our trust needs to be in you. Not only for the different things in life, but also too, Lord, of course, for eternity. And if we haven't placed our trust in you for eternal life, today's the day of salvation for us if we just spend time praying. So, Lord, I pray that you would work in our lives and help us to respond in obedience to what you have for us today. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.